2: Hi, welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, here with the NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett. DJ, NASCAR and NBC just started its 2021 season, Nashville Super Speedway. A lot to discuss on what happened in that 300-lap race, but I want to start just with the return to Nashville. I meant to look this up. Had you ever raced in Nashville before? At 20? the fairgrounds, yeah. You I'm had right. raced at the fairgrounds. Yes. Okay, so NASCAR's first time back with the Cup Series in 37 years since 1984. New track, Nashville Super Speedway. So you've been there. You mm-hmm. know about that connection of NASCAR, country music, that yeah. whole scene. What did it feel like for
1: you to go back to nashville with nascar's premiere series you know it, it was exciting before everything took place to to know that we were going back to nashville because i think there there is a, a nice uh correlation between country music and country music fans and nascar and, and the fans there and uh, it's a, a great city uh a lot of entertainment and, and even though the nashville super speedway is far from downtown nashville uh the the fans came they had a great time it was exciting I, I think that it was even a bigger and better weekend than I anticipated that it might be. Uh, and, and a lot of that came from the fact that whenever we got back there, Eric Moses and and his entire team had done such a terrific job of making this look like a much newer place. I mean, it, it to be quite honest, when I was there three months ago uh, to help kind of launch what they were doing uh, with, with Daryl Waltrip and Steve Latart the place looked like it had been sitting for a while, you know, there hadn't yeah. been much going on. And they did just a tremendous job there. And then the fans showed up, they put in more stands to accommodate the, the fans that were wanting to come, did all of that. And on top of all of that, we had a great weekend of racing in, in all three of the series. So it was tremendous, great way to kick off uh, our part of the season uh, for for these 20 weeks. and. Uh, if, if that was anything as to what we have to look forward to, it was a nice start.
2: Yeah, you know, the track hadn't played host to a race since 2011. And I noticed when I was driving out uh, of the property last night, I was looking back and, you know, they had the big logo on uh, the grandstands that, mm-hmm. that lined the front stretch. And like you said, it, it looked nice. It didn't yeah. look like, you know, I was expecting something maybe a little more dilapidated or a yeah. little run down. And I didn't get that sense at all. And, and it raced, I think, fairly well. I mean, better than i think some drivers were expecting given all the concerns about tires during the tests and the and the resin they put down it
1: seemed like it raced fairly well it, it really did i think that you know, once the cup cars hit the track for their practice on saturday the entire scope of the weekend changed because uh, the cup cars even with the the low downforce package that they ran and, and a higher higher horsepower uh they, they still have way more downforce than either the trucks or the Xfinity cars Mm -hmm. so even though both of them had been on the track it wasn't until the Cup cars got on there and moved the racing groove up that we saw potential for the Xfinity race on Saturday and then the Cup race on Sunday to be a much wider racetrack and and the drivers to have options and that's what you really wanted to see I think every driver and, and Most of us were concerned that we were going to go there and see something that was just a one-groove racetrack, possibly. Very difficult to maneuver around and might not see a lot of passing. And we saw anything but that, especially with the Xfinity race and the Cup race on Sunday. Yeah,
2: drivers did have options. Uh, Unfortunately for the field, the one option they didn't really have was catching Kyle Larson, (laughs) who remains completely unbeatable in the Cup Series. Wins, again, now has this run DJ where uh, I believe now uh, six straight points races he's been first. Or second, you throw in the all star race, he won that as well. He's on a run that reminds me a lot of a guy you raced, Jeff Gordon. Mm -hmm. And you know, I know Jimmy Johnson during his seven championship reign had periods where he won four races in a row, but there was that magical '98 season for Jeff Gordon, where I think he finished first or second in I don't know 17, 17 of 20 races. Seemed like more than that. Yeah, <laughs> it was like it was like some unbelievable stretch. You, you saw that. Uh, I, Grant, this is this is only six or seven races, and there's still 19 to go in 2021. But is it reminiscent of yes. of that maybe a mm-hmm. little bit? Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. You bring that up, Nate, because I was thinking this morning as to what did this remind me of? And, of course, yeah. Jimmy Johnson comes to mind because right. he's there at Hendrick Motorsports. And you think about all the races and streaks that he got on and how dominant he was, especially at certain racetracks. But I, I went past that, too. And, and what came to mind was 1998 with Jeff Gordon. I could think of a lot of years with Jeff Gordon that, that he had great streaks that went. But it was that 98 season that, that he just wore everybody out. I mean, we couldn't do anything with him. And so I was racing against that. And that's what it reminded me of was was Jeff Gordon there. And of course, we're talking about the same Hendrick Motorsport uh, team. And now Kyle Larson is there doing these things. And to me, when I look at this, I think two things. This young man's even better than we thought he might could be Mm -hmm. uh, given that he got in the right situation. And that is that right place to be right now at Hendrick Motorsports. And how impressive it is that he's done it on so many different types of racetracks so far to this point. And and I think that's why you make him, at this point in time, the championship uh, favorite, uh, just because there's not a racetrack in, when you look at, if you had one, you might would say, Talladega, uh, when you get into the playoffs. Right. Uh, but, you know, he just could easily win that as not. And so uh, he has to be the favorite.
2: Yeah, that's what's reminiscent for me, DJ, of that Gordon season. Like, Johnson was great, certainly in stretches and wins seven championships, but t- to me, it was he was great in the playoffs. Yes. And he would always have that run in, you know, midsummer where the number 48 wasn't quite as good. This just reminds me of, as you said, I mean, Larson wins the Coke cola 600, he wins at Sonoma. He wins the all-star race. He wins at Nashville Super Speedway. He finishes second, you know, at Coda, at Dover. It just, it doesn't seem like there are any weaknesses in his game
1: right now. No, none whatsoever that that we can see and, and, you know, everybody says, well, they found something. Well, you can find something, but in in my experience uh, over the years, when you found something, it didn't translate to every single type of racetrack, (laughs) including road courses and things. So, you know, you might find something for mile and a half tracks, uh, or you might find something for concrete. You know, they seem to have found something, and I think that it's the young man in the seat that that gets the job done and is ready and willing, and and his time. It's great to see... You know, whenever uh, people get second chances, that they take advantage of of those opportunities. Uh, You know, I read a lot of stuff from things that y'all have done in in talking with him, and he's talked about, I think the thing that, that resonates with me is he talks about that, you know, he, he's not a better race car driver because of, of what happened. He's a better person, right. and, and that means a lot. And when you see that, uh, you, you appreciate the efforts that he made to, to be this better person. He's more mature person, and uh, uh, he's always been talented, and now he's got himself sitting in the right seat. Yeah, that's what struck me, DJ, when I, I sat down with Kyle Larson uh, last Friday in Nashville. And, uh have
2: a story on NBCSports.com that people can check out, and we'll have some of it on the pre-race show this weekend at Pocono as well on camera. But uh, yeah, he said he's a smarter person. He's a better person. I think he turns 30 later this year, but he certainly seems much more mature than I remember him even just a few years ago. And he's also racing just as much as he did before. You know, maybe that's the constant. I don't know if he's learning things when he's running sprint cars in the middle of nowhere, Ohio.
3: <laughs> but um, he says that it actually does help him a little bit. I think all the all the racing helps for everything. Like I go, I win a cup race and and it helps me for dirt racing. I think too, getting a, even though it's different race cars, like looking at driver telemetry data and stuff helps when I go race a sprint car as well. Even though, like I said, they're different cars, you can still kind of, I can kind of imagine a line in my head of, what I'm doing and in the sprint car. And I think that helps me. And then too, I think just racing a lot and, and I'm in racing situations more than anybody else in the world really, but especially in cup. And I think that helps me stay sharp. uh, It helps me be aggressive. It helps me understand what things are doing and tracks changing and stuff like that. So, and and two, I think you're just getting into a rhythm and staying in a rhythm, you know, where, none of these guys are going to get back in a car until Saturday. And, and I think it's a big advantage for me to be in a car multiple times throughout the week.
2: I know you didn't grow up racing dirt, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, out here in North Carolina, but Kyle Larson said, told us he's going to be racing this week, I think in South Dakota a couple more times. Like I said, he, met, he raced Ohio twice last week, and then he drove his motor home to Nashville in the middle of the night, got there at 4.30 in the morning, <laughs> and then boundless energy, like his stamina, Rick Hendrick was saying, was just unbelievable. I, what do you make of this that... He's able to compete, which you know what this is like, at the top level in NASCAR, but then just go drop down and run these yeah. other races on the side uh,
1: against the very best. Yeah, you know, that's that's the thing. Yeah. That's hit. It's not like that. He's just going to a local short track uh, and and running some races. You know, he's going uh, up against the best in the business uh, when he's driving those sprint cars. And yeah. uh, you know, they do it. And I realize he did it full time pretty much last year after everything took place. And um, Uh, I I think that it does make him a better driver. I knew whenever I was able to continue to run the Xfinity Series uh, during my career, uh, it, it helped me to be a better driver on the Cup side. And driving in the cup cars helped me be better in the xfinity side of it too because there were always things to learn and and i tell people i said you know i i, w- I was learning something in the very last race i ever drove uh you're always learning and, and you hope that makes you better and in kyle larson's case I, i'm not sure everybody wants him to get any better uh, <laughs> not sure how much better he can get uh, yeah. because he's right at perfection here but it, you know it's a it's a grueling schedule and i know he's a young man he stays fit uh i, I you know he's not the maybe the workout person that we think back to a Mark Martin and and you can think of a number of others that that do it uh, on a religious type basis here now but i think he's a lot like tony stewart in that they felt like their workout was driving race cars as much as they possibly could and, and that's who he reminds me of is tony and in, in making all of this happen and and doing these things so I, I applaud him for doing it i mean you know the one of the greatest stories and y'all y'all told this was you know winning the million dollars at texas uh, last weekend and then goes and wins a six thousand dollar purse <laughs> right. he doesn't care It's a, right. it just shows and, and makes you appreciate that he, he could care less, you know, what it pays and and what it's about. You know, it's about gathering the trophy and and beating everybody else. And and that's the main thing for him, and I appreciate that a lot.
2: Some we've heard from him, and we heard from both him and we've heard from Hendrick as well this year, that he's really putting in the work on studying data. Yeah. And, you know, we've heard this a lot lately, DJ, that so much of the game now is – driver preparation and going through these mounds of SMT data that they have, all these numbers that tell them throttle traces and braking. So I'm curious, like when you hear Kyle Larson say like, hey, I I can look at this data and I'm looking at like where guys brake or where they're on and off the accelerator, and when I'm run, running a, a sprint car line at like Sharon Speedway in Ohio at some short track, I can visualize how to run that line based off this data that I'm studying in NASCAR. Does yeah. that make sense as a driver that like, if you're studying like how Kevin Harvick or Denny Hamlin or Kyle Busch is getting around a racetrack that you can think about how you get around a racetrack and a short track and a sprint car and kind of make it all sort of fit together?
1: Yeah, I, I think that it, it would. I, I'm not from that world yeah. as much, you know, but, but I appreciate it and have, gotten more into it and talking to the drivers about what they look at there and, and you know how does this help them how can this make you better against your competition you know before all of this came about and having all of that information uh and, and it's basically real time you can see it uh, you know happening The the crews can watch it during the race and see what they need to do and you know as they were guiding larson yesterday as to how he could save the fuel and watching how he was doing that and everything but for him to be able to look at all of this and then transfer that to a sprint car, is just amazing. But it, it shows me the knowledge that he has of driving these cars and, and how it can be helpful. Uh, and I'm sure there are things that he finds that he does with his sprint car that maybe he doesn't see it, yeah. uh, but he understands that, hey, that can help me in the cup car. And so now the question is, okay, if everybody's seeing and understands what Kyle Larson is doing, why aren't they doing a better job of trying to do what he does? <laughs> yeah. And I will guarantee you that another thing that helps, and he might not admit this, is that he has to change up what he's doing too, uh, and, and he has to look to continuously get better because <laughs> some of these veteran drivers will figure that out, yeah. and they will start uh, trying to do as much as they can with that. But this young man's so talented. I, I I look at him, you know, as I said, as a Tony Stewart, as a Kyle Bush, who that uh they are so talented that everybody can't do what they can do uh and make that happen and I, i realize he's driving really good race cars and they're doing a great job of preparing them getting them ready for him the pit crew's doing a great job so they have everything as we talk about this being a team sport they have everything going that direction but he's the key link and and he has to continuously change up a little bit what he's doing to get better because others will catch up.
2: But it's at some level is what you're saying also that this, even though the the other teams, the other drivers have those secrets of speed that Kyle Larson yeah. might have, even
1: if they know what he's doing at some level, you probably just can't do it, right? You just can't <laughs> do just it. Just yeah, that that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, you just, I mean, they're. There's a reason that superstars in, in every form and every sport separate themselves. And so you look at you know what made Michael Jordan so much better than other people that look like physically, they might be as talented or more talented than Michael Jordan, uh, but, but he had those tangibles. And, and so Kyle Larson is one of those people in this sport right now that, that has that ability to do things with a race car that, that others just can't do, uh, even if they see it. Uh, they probably can't make that happen. We all went about driving a race car in our own way. We had to we had to have a feel for what our car was doing and and to be good uh, at those certain times. We had to have that. And Kyle Larson has all of that right now. yeah, and with
2: all this racing he's doing and you know what's interesting, DJ is
1: um, Rick Hendrick has
2: somewhat been averse to letting his drivers do this yeah. much moonlighting in the past. Uh, Larson mentioned this. After the race, he talked about the fact that he was friends with Casey Kane. And when Kane raced at Hendrick, he wasn't allowed to race sprint cars, I think, for close to, to three years.
3: You know, it's not something they typically had let their drivers do in the past. You know, I'm friends with Casey and was friends with Casey when he was racing at Hendrick. And so I had known about you know, them and, and kind of how they didn't like Casey when he'd go race other stuff, and, and he didn't get to do it a whole lot. So, yeah, when, when I was you getting ready to start talking with, Mr. H and Jeff about you know racing their cup cars. I was a little bit nervous and bummed that I probably wouldn't be able to race as, as much dirt. I didn't think that they would cut me fully, but uh, I also didn't expect them to kind of let me do whatever I wanted either. So, um, you no, know, it's it's worked out really great for me. Um, you know, Cliff, I think understands that when I race, I'm I'm a I get better, and and I just kind of go through him on what races I want to run, and and he's been cool to. To let me race as long as like yeah it's not interfering with anything that i've got going on um, with the nascar team because that's always been my number one priority
2: so he's definitely getting a little bit more dispensation than some of the other drivers might have gotten in the past at hendrick and rick hendrick talked about this post-race at at nashville and he said
4: well you know i've let chase do races and uh and alex and so i I basically told him you know if you get hurt i got to put somebody in the car so I think as we get closer in the playoffs, I think we'll slow some of it down. But I think uh, Cliff and I have talked about it. You know, I think it makes him better to, to drive all these different cars, and especially those high-horsepower cars on dirt. And the, the one thing that, that Cliff has talked to me about is he spends as much time or more time than any other driver in the shop. So if he wants to race and he's – got this as a priority and I mean he digs and digs and digs it's all he thinks about so um, you know I I, you know I think he's happier I want him happy I don't want him don't want him hurt but I've you know I've I've kinda given up on these guys wanting to drive and and the crew chiefs and I've talked about it they think it's they think it's good and the the, uh, safety deals are are better so I've I've told them all they can drive what they want to
2: is it surprised you a little bit that they've allowed Kyle Larson to do as much because this was also a discussion for Larson at Ganassi.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I think Chip limited Kyle Larson
1: to twenty-five races a year.
2: Yeah. So, but now it seems like he's got pretty much a blank check at Hendrick Motorsports.
1: Yeah, I, it's it is a little bit surprising in, in the way that when you think about what these owners have tied up in, in these drivers. Mm-hmm. I, I mean. Rick Hendrick went out on a limb, especially with Kyle Larson here, to, to bring him in there uh, in, with his whole situation uh, from last year. And, and so he has not only money, but, but he has you know, other companies and, and Chevrolet and a lot of people involved in this uh, that, that he had to sell on the fact that this is a young man that, that we need to bring in here. So now he's delivering on the racetrack. He looks like a genius, which he is. And I told him that yesterday. He's the smartest man in the world. I saw Rick Hendrick. Yeah, he had just walked up. I walked over to speak to Kyle Larson uh, after our pre-race show. And uh, I just I hadn't seen Kyle, and so I just wanted to talk to him for a few minutes. And then Rick happened to walk up. And, and so I'm like, you know, you you are the smartest guy I've ever known in this business for a lot of reasons. But, yeah. you know, to put this uh, young guy in a, in a car and give him that opportunity. And, and so we had a little fun with that. But... I think that Rick also, what has made him so successful for so many decades now is the fact that he is willing to change. He understands that what Jeff Gordon did and the way he went about it and winning his championships focused solely basically on just running a cup car and being a part of Hendrick Motorsports and doing that was his way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Johnson was pretty much the same way. You didn't see Jimmy in, in other things. Uh, you know, it, He was focused on that. Didn't even really go run many Xfinity races or anything, and, and but Larson, what makes Kyle Larson happy and keeps him competitive is that ability and that want to 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 go compete during the week. And as long as he's doing his job, I realize that this will be a whole nother discussion if something happens, and heaven sure. forbid that it does, that the young man gets hurt doing that side of it. You know, it's it, if it happens in the Cup car, that that just happens. That could. Of yeah. happened anyway, yeah. but uh, if something should, then we'll be having a whole nother discussion. But I appreciate the flexibility of Rick Hendrick and understanding his drivers uh, as to what keeps them happy, uh, aside from just driving cars for him. Well, like you said, I mean that's why he's built this multi-billion-dollar automotive
2: empire because he he knows how to position the chess pieces and make mm-hmm. those kinds of managerial decisions that require you know not everything is black and white. And you yes. don't treat everything the same. But you're right. I mean it's kind of the same discussion we had about Tony Stewart where he was happiest when he was running dirt cars, but Gibbs was a little uneasy about that. And then we saw what happened in in 2013 where he, he broke his leg and, yep. and missed half a season. Yep. So it definitely comes with some risk.
1: It, yeah. it does come with that. Is Tony ever happy? No, I'm yeah. just kidding. No, <laughs> great friend. And then he is, he is, he's probably the happiest in, yesterday. Yeah, happiest <laughs> in his life right now that he's ever been yeah. uh, as far as that goes. But, yeah. but I, I you know, I think there's something to be said for letting drivers be who they are, yeah. you know, and this is who Kyle Larson is. Yep. No question. The
2: last time I think I had you on the podcast, or one of the last times I had you on DJ was after the Atlanta race where Kyle Larson had, it was probably the the biggest win he had get away this year where Mm -hmm. Ryan Blaney passed him in that final run because Larson had this really comfortable lead and then just it faded. They didn't make the right adjustments. And I think then, you know, this is kind of amusing to look back on, but I was probably asking, you know, why can't Kyle Larson close races? And now we're talking about, (laughs) well, he's closing every week. And I think it was most evident that final restart, he starts, he takes the green and Cliff Daniels tells him, you're three laps short on fuel. I need you to save three laps of fuel. Oh, by the way, now you've got debris on your grill within the, the first 10 laps of that restart. How Kyle Larson and Cliff Daniels were able to manage everything that was happening there with about 70 laps to go in the race, yes, they had a dominant car, but the fact that, they, you know, they stayed cool under pressure, they kept their wits, they got the debris off the grill. Kyle Larson just, you know, went from, you know, obviously he's got the big lead, but somehow he's able to just save fuel like that. And I think mm-hmm. like 30 laps later, Cliff Daniels is telling you, okay, you're fine, you can, you can go now, we saved enough fuel. You know, what does that say about the, the number five team, that driver crew chief brain trust right now?
1: Yeah, I, I think that, you know, we, we hear and drivers talk about, with their crew chief they're on the same page well they're, yeah. they're definitely on the same page and they're writing a book here with these pages <laughs> that they're on and yeah you know what we saw early on when the atlanta race kind of got away from them i think we probably even discussed about situations i had been in yeah. uh when you have the best car sometimes you're really hesitant to to make any changes to it why would you you know you're you're you know, yarding the field here. Why would you want to change something on the car? Even right. if you say a driver says, Well I might be a little bit tight if you can free me up, why take that chance? The tires all look good, you know, we're doing everything we need to do. Well the rest of the field is working on their car. They see the difference and and so as they work on theirs and all of a sudden your car doesn't perform quite as well and they've got theirs a lot better. All of a sudden there's a swap and that usually happens on the last run and, and you don't have time to, to recover and make a change from that. So um, that's what was happening. We saw it happen, I believe, at Dover where he led a lot of the race. Alex Bowman came on and, and won the race then. So lesson learned. They, they learned quickly about what they need to do. And, and I think they knew going into Nashville... And after watching the Xfinity race, there was going to be a lot to keep up with with that racetrack uh, mm-hmm. making changes. And, and I think they made little adjustments along the way all day long. And then to have a car good enough uh, that he could jump out there on that last restart, get the lead that he needed. And then all of a sudden, he's got all this debris on the, on the grill. The temperatures were starting to go up well it just so happened he was there was a car in front of him that he could go uh, catch and get the which was a lap car and he could uh, get the debris off of there so it, it that all worked out perfectly and then he could go back to running his times to where i was watching him and when he when they were talking about saving fuel he was running within a half a tenth Uh, at the most is all that he slowed down it wasn't but you but we could show how much he had backed up the corner uh out of the gas letting his car roll now you have to have a really good handling race car to make all of that work so he's he's saving fuel uh, but he's still running faster lap times than his teammate William Byron could That's run, and, and he's yeah. here saving fuel. So it, that just all the pieces are working for them right now, you yeah. know. I, I, I've had people say, oh, they're peaking too soon. Well, you never peak too soon. You know, you just hope that that you're able to continue that throughout an entire year. I mean, things will change. Others are going to catch up some, but they've got a lot of catching up to do right now, and I'm not sure they have enough time and effort. And, and you know, I've also brought up the fact that how many people – There might be some major changes by the other teams, uh, Penske and and even uh, Joe Gibbs uh, Racing and and, uh, Stuart Haas. There might be major changes that they need to make to try to catch the Chevrolets right now, and especially Hendrick Motorsports. Are they willing to put a lot more money into trying to do that this year, knowing the big changes and the money they're spending for next year with the new car.
2: Yeah, I mean, we heard Cliff Daniels say after the race that they might not build another car for Kyle Larson. That was a new car. And teams are starting to take delivery on these new next-gen chassis as we speak Mm -hmm. this week. So uh, there are some really tough competition decisions to be made there. Uh, You you make a great point there that leads me to my next one about Byron. So Kyle Larson is (laughs) spending less time on the accelerator and still going faster, Mm -hmm. apparently, than his teammate. That has to be tremendously frustrating. <laughs> I mean, obviously Hendrick Motorsports has been great across the board, and they all have victories. But any worries or concerns do you think for Rick Hendrick on avoiding the competitive jealousy that could exist there between you know Chase Elliott, William Byron, and Alex Bowman? Looking, I mean, they all get along well, and they're all yeah. kind of you know nice guys, they're soft-spoken guys. But like, at what point does it get annoying if you're a teammate of
1: Kyle Larson and
2: he's winning every week?
1: Yeah, I, I think that. Okay, so Rick Hendrick is had this problem if you will (laughs) a a number of times we talk about Jeff Gordon you know and so he had teammates when he was there and winning and and, you know nobody else could do the things that Jeff Gordon same thing with Jimmy Johnson uh, during uh, the best years that he was there for which were a lot of years so this is happening a lot Uh, and when you have an organization like this that uh, you get the most talented drivers then you're gonna have to deal with those situations and um, Rick is is has had to do this before, so I think he's well in control of that. in In a world now to where, with these organizations, and I will well, since we're talking Hendrick Motorsports, there is nothing that they can do with this five car that the other three teams don't know about. That you know, it's just all there in front. It's just a matter of what Kyle Larson is capable of doing versus their drivers and, and doing. And you know, it comes down to that. You, you have everything that they have at your disposal, uh, but can your driver get the job done, uh, even trying to drive something like that? And, and I would venture to say, their setups probably aren't that much different. Uh, it's just that he's showcasing how good he really is yeah. and I, I would, I'm i sure that Rick Hendrick has said at some point in time, hey, you've got everything he's got, uh, you need to look in the mirror. You need yeah. to figure out a way to, to make yours go faster.
2: One other Hendrick driver to talk about, Chase Elliott. We were discussing this beforehand. Five lug nuts loose results in the disqualification for the number nine Chevrolet. Kind of an interesting thing here happening, DJ, that you know we were talking about this, that it seems like teams are gambling a little bit more on yeah. pit stops and maybe not hitting all the lugs. Yep, very uh, evident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. This may be an example of that. You think? Or? I think definitely. Uh, I, I'm, I was surprised there were five that were on there because they've been getting to where they're. You, it's very evident to watch it, uh, even from the TV broadcast, when they're they're showing uh, the the tire changes that. That they're only hitting four on those left sides uh, pretty much all the time uh, until it comes down to that, what they think is their last stop. When they get in that window mm-hmm. and they think, then they, ha- they, have, they know they need to have five on there. And so they're, they're doing their job there. But um, I think this was just maybe the jack got dropped too early here but Mm -hmm. I I do think you know we've been through this a few years ago with with the lug nuts and NASCAR making changes and making rules Uh, but I think it's something that might have to be looked at you know the technology's there that they see everything going on but uh, there's a lot of that happening obviously that's going to be no more next year with the new car but we've still got 19 races to deal with this year you know when we go to the just single lug nut there next year yeah uh, but you know this was unfortunate for them fortunate in the result that it didn't create a crash uh, because if that wheel comes off uh, that's not a good situation for their driver, Chase Elliott, to, to be put in. And you know, I, I admire him for staying out there. That's the hardest thing in the world as a driver, to sit there and continue to drive a race car reasonably hard. And, and even backing down, you're still going really fast. And uh, to, to gut it out and, and uh, put yourself in that position, that, that was tough. But I, I, I get, I didn't even realize until today that the, the penalties, uh, you know, that's a huge penalty, obviously, finishing last and getting all your stage points and everything taken away. But he does keep his crew chief, so he doesn't get suspended. So there was a bright side to it, if anything. Yeah, Yeah. we were talking about that, too, as well.
2: That, like, if the wheel comes off when you're on the track and NASCAR determines it's because of loose lug nuts, then you lose your crew chief and possibly a couple of pick crew members for multiple races on suspension versus this, where Chase Elliott loses all his points. He loses a playoff point, he loses stage points. You know which is worse. I guess uh, yeah, it's it's um, it could be argued perhaps either way. Yeah, um, if he ends
1: up uh, somewhere along the way in, in getting through one of the the segments uh, in the playoffs uh, by one one playoff point or one point, uh, yeah. then then we might look at this a little differently. But but right now it seems to be uh, an okay. Trade off because they are in the playoffs with their victory. A lot
2: of teams uh, had problems yesterday, DJ, with brake rotors. Uh, and Cliff Daniels was saying after the race that Larson went really conservative. They actually had a short track type brake package mm-hmm. on the Larson car. Uh, did it surprise you how much teams missed on brakes, or is that just you know one of those symptoms of a new racetrack?
1: I think a, a lot of it goes to the new racetrack. Um, maybe didn't everybody didn't get. Uh, the information of how much brakes they were using during the tire test. I saw where Chase Briscoe said that they had brake problems even knowing uh, that there was go- could possibly be an issue that they beefed up their stuff before they came back uh, for the race. So it was a little surprising to see them. Uh, you know, it again, it, this is a racetrack that Deceiving as a driver to to look at and think how far you can drive it in the corner uh, because it seems like it it should be like a mile and a half track where you're not going to use a lot of brakes. But then once you get there, it drives a lot more like a short track, yeah. and, and so then you find yourself in a problem. And I think a lot of the crew chiefs thought that braking wouldn't be as big an issue as it turned out to be, and and uh, you know it was unfortunate for a lot of the teams. Uh, uh, you think about drivers that were. Sitting there inside the, the top 16 or right around there, some benefited uh, from that. By you know, Kirk Bush is one that got himself much closer uh, yeah, to that yeah. that uh, bubble and. Uh, then, uh, you know, others had had some real problems. So, uh, you know, it made for an interesting day, uh, just unfortunate for some.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was was an interesting day, like a a lot of cautions. You know, Ryan Blaney said it, that it seemed like practice Saturday, that the racetrack behaved a lot different than Sunday. And I think Blaney said, essentially, you know, we thought the track was so tight, Saturday, we put all this turn in the car and, you know, it mm-hmm. handle better And then the race starts and no one has any grip at all. And it's we're, we're set up to be loose and the racetrack's completely like we can't even handle it.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, the word and talk of the day on Saturday with the Xfinity race was the resin. Yeah. Uh, yeah totally different than the PJ one that we've seen at right. other tracks and things. Right. And what a great thing it seemed to be, uh, Dale jr. And I were, we talking on the, the pre-race show on Saturday about, you know, how, That cup practice had kind of changed everything uh, uh, that they had on Saturday. And and you could see that this was going to be a wider racetrack now and, you know, how great this might be. And then you got in and saw the Xfinity race, and it was just outstanding. And, and, you know, drivers running uh, and using that uh, line around there through the corners. Uh, But what we saw towards the end of the race, I started to get concerned end of the race on Saturday with the Xfinity cars. As we we saw Justin Allgaier and then Kyle Busch start migrating back to the bottom of the racetrack, I started wondering, is that going away Hmm. and uh, some up there? And and I actually asked Jeff uh, Burton yesterday morning if if Harrison had said anything about that. And uh, so he got in a text conversation with his son asking about that. And uh, he said, yeah, that it kind of went away a little bit. And uh, so then I wondered what was going to happen yesterday, and it, it kind of did because it was a different racetrack once again. That's what happened. It happens anytime you put something on the track to to create some grip and create that. It can't stay there. Uh, for yeah. the entire time, when you have forty cars running around it, and and these tires, hot tires, uh, you know, going across it this many times, uh, you, you, I don't care what you put on there, it can't stay at the same grip level. So uh, they, they were throwing a curve there, uh, yeah. and yeah. you know, there was a couple that figured it out much better. You know, not only was. Was Larson really good we talked about him and how great he was and he was but you know Ricky Stenhouse had a great day uh Ross Chastain Chastain, had a great day so you know there were others that that managed to figure things out and and it was kind of nice to see that that we had different people uh running there yeah I mean certainly the top five was very
2: different Valmarola and Chastain and Stenhouse all being the top five but uh, the resin conversation I think is interesting DJ because it was the talk of Saturday and William Byron actually said this is good, you know. Do yeah. this everywhere. Don't do PJ one anymore. Yeah. Um, some other guys, Kevin Harvick said, do neither. I don't think he wants <laughs> anything applied to the racetrack <laughs> anymore. Where do you think NASCAR is these days on on track treatment? Because I think you, you make a really good point, DJ. That it, I don't think it's it's a variable. It's not something can really be controlled. I understood like the initial enthusiasm for PJ one and for traction compound, but I feel yeah. as if you look at this season it, it seems like the bloom is off the rose a little bit especially mm-hmm. you know looking at the All-Star race like at Texas and you know, what's transpired there, not just NASCAR, but IndyCar with the, the traction compound, the PJ1 at Texas. I, I kind of wonder if NASCAR might just go away from it and maybe go yeah. to resin maybe a little bit more.
1: I, I think if, the, if anything is used from here on, I, I think that we do need to go away from the PJ1. I, yeah. I, and I even like Kevin Harvick saying that. I, I don't like something putting on the put on the track. I, I remember years ago, uh, and, and this goes back a long way back into the 1990s, whenever they used to put a sealer on the Richmond right surface right um but it was done it, it wasn't done to give us grip because it was like ice when you first went on the racetrack i mean you you had to feel good if you went the first 15 minutes and didn't crash in practice <laughs> so you right. felt pretty good of getting through that right. but it, as as the weekend went on, then you got opportunities and you could right. move around. I mean, you would start out on the bottom and move. I mean, we were almost all the way up against the wall right. at times. Because like the that. seal would wear off yes. and, the, and the groove yeah. would wear off. So you, would, so, yeah. So yeah, you yeah. were looking for somewhere else to run and, yeah. and with that. So it wasn't that you got more grip from that. Right. Uh, so trying to create grip, I think, is a bad thing. I think that with, with the the downforce packages that, with, that they have now and looking at Goodyear. Uh, I, I know that things have been put on hold a little bit after last year, uh, the, the way that things went, as far as testing and, and coming up with more uh, tire compounds and, and things like that for it. But I, I think that they're far enough ahead that we could do without a lot of that. Resonates in places and I, my question was well why wasn't it reapplied well the way that it's applied is a lot different it's not an overnight thing uh the the, the way that they you go about that you just so. spray it like the yeah PG no line. no yeah. so it's something yeah. totally different uh to, to work it in and make it effective so uh it's an option for some places uh but i still like the old-fashioned way of getting <laughs> things done not trying to create something
2: Well, we'll probably see a little bit more of that at Pocono (laughs) Raceway, and before we get out of here, I just want to get your thoughts on that. 550 horsepower return here, Kyle Larson has been the dominator recently, Texas the all-star race, Charlotte the 600 at these 550 horsepower tracks, and Hendrick Motorsports has been really good as well, so are you expecting two races back-to-back <laughs> at Pocono, are you expecting maybe
1: a, a doubleheader Hendrick call? I, I think so, yeah, and, and I, I think that, you know, William Byron is one that I look at that I think that if, if, if somebody's going to go take one of those away from Kyle Larson, I, I think that it, it might be William Byron that, that does that. Uh, not saying that Chase Elliott's not, not capable and Alex Bowman also, but uh, just when I look at performance week in and week out. Uh, that 24 car and, and that team, uh, Rudy has made a, a big difference there. Uh, coming in as the crew chief, they're going to be hard pressed to keep up with them. Uh, you know, whenever you know, if, when you're at places that are flat out and you can't beat them there, like like what Texas was uh, for the the most part. Uh, when you have a place, they're not going to be completely flat out through all three corners at Pocono. So you have some opportunity there uh, that that you could try to get up there with them, but I think that between the body, uh, how hard Chevrolet worked, you know, this was uh, the same car that was a lot of bad things said about when they first came out with this uh, Chevrolet Camaro, that they, they didn't like it, things weren't weren't great for them, they made some changes to it, especially the nose and then the efforts that that Hendrick Motorsports and, and others put forth with the engine combination last year uh, has really made the Chevrolet, uh, the the car right now. Uh, but there's still a lot of good drivers and teams. So I, I'm not saying that, you know, don't watch because uh, <laughs> it's only going to be Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, I, I think it'll be highly entertaining. And I really like the idea of the doubleheader weekend where, you know, you run a race and, and you always say, hey, if I could have done this, I would have been better. So yeah. let's see who able, who's able to do that. Yeah, they definitely had some success with that last year. With, we'll see. Maybe, yeah. you know,
2: no matter what happens, I'm sure Kyle Larson's going to win in South Dakota. So <laughs> if you're a Larson fan, you're probably still going to get a victory. But yeah, I Maybe we'll see somebody else besides Kyle Larson and Victory Lane at Pocono. Appreciate you being here as always, DJ. Absolutely. Thanks. Our thanks again to NASCAR NBC analyst Dale Jarrett for joining the NASCAR NBC podcast to talk about Nashville Super Speedway. Always great insight from the NASCAR Hall of Famer. And by the way, I should mention that DJ's son, Zach Jarrett, recently was promoted to the Baltimore Orioles AAA team in Norfolk, Virginia. DJ has talked about Zach's baseball career on this podcast before, so pretty cool news that Dale Jarrett's son is now one step away from the major leagues. Thanks as well to NBC Sports Producers Aaron Feldstein and Emily Conboy for helping with the coordination and recording of this podcast. As noted, NASCAR is at Pocono Raceway for a Cup Series doubleheader this weekend. Saturday's coverage gets started at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. And then on Sunday, it's 10 consecutive hours of motorsports on NBCSN, starting at noon with the Xfinity race at Pocono. That leads directly into the Cup Series pre-race at around 2.30 p.m. Eastern, and then the Cup race. And then after that, it's the re-air of IMSA's Endurance Race Sunday at Watkins Glen International. That'll begin at around 7 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. So IMSA and NASCAR, 10 straight hours, get your dial locked into NBCSN for motorsports on Sunday. Also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention NBC Sports digital coverage. Both Dustin Long and Chris Estrada will be on site at Pocono Raceway, covering all the action from both cup races and the Xfinity race for NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. So make sure to go check out Dustin and Chris's stuff on NASCAR Talk. And as you heard, this episode was taped on camera at the NASCAR and NBC studio in Charlotte. And you can check out the video version of the NASCAR and NBC podcast on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. You can subscribe while you're there. There's tons of great video content that posts daily on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. Video content from all sorts of motorsports. We're talking NASCAR. We're talking IMSA. We're talking IndyCar, MotoGP, Motocross. Also have full replays of the NASCAR America Motormouth show that airs every Monday and Wednesday on the Peacock Network. Those air Monday and Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, NASCAR America Motormouths on Peacock. And those replays live forever at the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. The NASCAR NBC podcast is available wherever you download podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review to help spread the word. And any feedback, as always, you can send to me on Twitter... At Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast.